listening to the Salt Churches podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting micro churches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Church's founder, Jesse Green. How are you guys doing? How's lunch? Good. Who had the best lunch in the room? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I don't really like salads. So no, that's good. I um I love actually talking after lunch because you're not thinking about what you're gonna eat. So you actually can pay attention. So I would love if everyone for a second could just stand to their feet. I'm just going to have us pray before we get started. Gosh, God, I just thank you that you are doing uh, just a work today. And there is just such a level of expectancy just throughout this entire building, God. And I thank you that these women have come to have an encounter with you. And I thank you that all these messages so far have just like lined up perfectly for people to just come face to face with their father. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you do only what you could do, that you would start to work in the hearts of women and any plans against them will not prevail in Jesus' name. We ask that your spirit would just fill this place and that rivers of living water would start to flow through them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, that they would know that Jesus is alive and deeply cares about them. So God, I ask that you would use me today to speak truth in areas where there may be lies and that we would have fun together and we would laugh and be silly and totally free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys can take a seat. So yes, my name is Jesse Green. I am so excited to be here. I moved from New York City to Orange County, California about a year ago. God told me to lay down my life and pick up my cross and move to the beach. And sometimes following Jesus just requires sacrifice and We're just supposed to be obedient. But yeah, we moved to California. I don't know if they have the pictures. Maybe they do. We'll see. But I have two amazing little baby boys. One is called David Leonidas. That's like a powerful baby name. And he is a powerful baby. His name is David Leonidas. That's I'm holding him on the left there. And his name means beloved lion. Be careful what you name your children. He just does whatever that beloved lion wants to do. And then on that right, I don't know if we could throw that back up there. I have my snuggle bear who's so fat, Ethan Everest, who's asleep in that picture. And he is just a total squish. And uh, I'm obsessed with him. And then that's my husband, Parker, who is formerly a personal trainer. And uh, I don't let him tell me what to do. Our biggest fight ever was when we tried to work out together. I like was like, no, like this is what Glamour Magazine says I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I don't want to like have huge muscles. And he's like, you will never have huge muscles. <laughs> and so we have a great relationship. We are in California and we have started planting churches called Salt Churches. 
Salt churches are micro churches. Um, those are actually two girls that I get to lead and disciple in California. I have a huge passion for reaching the lost. Anyone that knows me for five minutes knows that I'm obsessed with the gospel and I want to bring it everywhere. So um, those two girls actually, we last week went to Walmart and uh, we led 17 people to Jesus in Walmart in an hour. That is crazy. So God is on the move. I have like good news for you. Like America is just like about to get rocked and just crazy things are happening. So this is a good time to be an American. I just want to encourage you in that because God is doing some crazy, crazy things. And so I really feel so expectant today. I love what Nicole was saying about you guys being giant killers because I actually believe with everything inside of me that God is going to do something in you and he's been preparing the whole morning for you to step into everything that God has for you. And so I'm believing that this session is just going to like, just like almost like a horse, like going off into the racetrack. Like you're going to be just totally released into the thing that God has you do. Um, wants you to do. So I want to read to you my life verse. Does anyone have a life verse? Some of you, if you don't get one, a life verse is basically the verse for your life. See, it's very easy to understand. Um, And so this is my life verse. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Weird life verse but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, the enemy does not play fair. I hate to put a damper on your afternoon, but you are actually in a war if you're a Christian. Do you know that the enemy against you does not care if you're two years old or a hundred? He wants to take you out. Do you know that you represent the very thing that he hates the most, which is the image of God? says, God makes man in his image. And we are walking representations of Jesus and his plan to restore the earth. And the enemy hates the sight of that. And so I'm here right now to release you from the lies that may be holding you captive from being the person that you are meant to be. It says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. You're supposed to live fully alive And so I want to share with you actually the first time I ever experienced shame. And so we're going to be talking about shame today. And this isn't like the like awesome feel good message, but I believe that this is going to break things off of you that you didn't even know needed to be broken off of. And so the first time I ever experienced shame, I was in Marshalls with my mom. I was six, seven years old, seven. Yeah, definitely seven, seven years old. And When you're little, like you go into the dressing room with your mom and change, like, and try stuff on. And I remember we were shopping for bathing suits. And uh, this was the first time that my mom told me that I could like go in my own dressing room. And when you're a little kid, like having those privileges feels like kind of like a big deal. So I remember being in the dressing room and having my bathing suits. Um, I was like took off all my clothes as you do when you're trying on bathing suits and I'm trying it on. And then the worst thing happened to me. So Marshall's has those like white, very like shiny, like linoleum floors, right? And uh, 
there's like the separate stalls. And all of a sudden, I had to go to the bathroom so badly. Like, picture drinking like a thousand bottles of water and holding it in, kind of having to go to the bathroom. But the thing is, is I'm standing in the nude because I'm trying on bathing suits. So I'm a little kid and I'm like, okay, I got to like just throw on clothes and just get to the bathroom. But the only thing is the problem is with Marshall's, the bathroom for some reason is on the other side of the store. So as I'm putting on my clothes in my stall, I say to my mom, I go, to the other side, I go, mom, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, okay, honey, just like, wait a minute, just one second. And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know what happened, but I just started peeing. And it wasn't one of those pees where like my jeans are catching it. I'm like mid taking off the bathing suit, just peeing on a linoleum floor, which means that it's so loud. And the pee is coming out and I'm like trying to squeeze my legs together to like hold the pee from coming out. But who knows, once you start peeing, like, I don't know, somehow these miraculous people know how to stop themselves from peeing. I don't, I'm not that person. Like once I'm going, I'm going. So I'm like trying to hold the pee and it's just leaking. And then the thing is the stalls didn't go down to the floor. They were like only up to here. So I'm seeing the pee start to run into the stall next to me. The woman next to me starts screaming. And she's going, oh my gosh, someone's peeing. Someone's peeing. And I just hear my mom. My mom's a lawyer and an advocacy lawyer. So you can just picture her voice. I just hear, Jessica. And you know when you get the full name, not good. Jessica, are you peeing? And I'm like, maybe if I don't answer, no one will know. So I'm just standing there and I'm still peeing. I'm like, how is there this much pee? I'm only seven. And it's just running out, running out. Women are running out of the dressing room, screaming. And my mom is banging on the door. And she's like, Jessica Ann, let me in, let me in. And I'm like, no, oh my gosh, no. And so as a little kid, I'm freaking out. And I like, I'm just keeping the door shut. And I'm thinking, if I don't open the door, no one will know it's me. <laughs> and so I stayed in there for 20 minutes, covered in pee. And they call over the intercom <laughs> to make it worse. They're like, we need a mop at the women's dressing room. Someone has urinated on the linoleum floors. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been exposed. And I'm freaking out behind this door, so afraid to open the door. And the very thing is, is that many of us are living in shame and we are so afraid to be exposed. We are so afraid that if anyone knew the seeker, if anyone knew what was happening behind the hidden doors of our life, that we would be totally exposed and everything would be messed up. The truth is, is I was terrified to open that door because I did not know what was on the other side. Little did I know that my mom was there on the other side with like open arms to love me like I'm a seven-year-old kid. And for so many of us, we don't know how good the father is. We don't realize that on the other side of our shame 
is God just waiting for us to just open up those secret hidden places of our life. And he's saying, listen, I'm here for you. I will actually clean up this whole urinated mess of your life. But you have to open the door. You have to let me in. He's saying, open the door and let me into those secret places. But the thing that is the worst is that we all hear this little lie in our head. That says, if you're exposed, it's all over. If someone knew that about you, it would destroy you. Or God can't handle that thing. Or you're going to have to deal with that thing forever. I want to read to you one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in John 11, and I'm going to read from the NIV. So it says, John 11, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I just want to stop there for a moment. Lazarus is identified as being one loved by God. Do you know that you could receive the love of God and still be walking in dead parts of your life? Do you know that there are parts of us that could totally have an encounter with God, have an amazing conference experience, and still be walking in bondage? Verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. This is vitally important because I'm here to tell you today that the very areas that God wants to use you to strike the enemy are the areas that the enemy is trying to shame you. There are things that have happened to your life. Maybe you're a victim of abuse or a terrible thing that happened to you, or maybe you yourself made a terrible decision. But I'm here to tell you today that that is the very thing that you're supposed to do to defeat the enemy and set captives free. But you cannot do it if you are bound up in shame. I want to skip to verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. I love that right there because I believe that there's two kinds of people. There's some of us that are like, all right, I want freedom. I'm coming up to the front. I'm going to have whoever pray for me and I'm going to get that freedom. And then there's other of us that are like, I'm going to just wait here. (laughs) And God, you can come to me. But he does. He encounters both Mary and Martha. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, God, I would have not been abused. If you would have been here, God, I would have not been rejected. If you would have been here, God, I would have not gotten terminally ill. If you would have been here, all the lies that we believe that God is not good. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I think this is so funny because she's talking to the resurrection and she's like, well, let me tell you what I know about theology. And I'm here to break some bad news to you guys. Sometimes what you think you know is actually preventing you from having breakthrough. You think, you know, this is how it's going to be. And this is the way to my total like redemption. And God's like, no, 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 no. I have like a totally different plan altogether, but it comes from a relationship with me. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and he is asking for you. I believe that God is asking for you right now. If you're willing to step into an encounter with him, it's your decision though. He will not force himself upon you, but he says, will you come and talk to me about the things that you're wrestling with? When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. You know, sometimes I think that we can believe the lie that our emotions are a little bit over the top or excessive. You know, in slang language, right right now, call that being extra. Like that girl is extra. She's a little bit too emotional. But I want to give you permission today. If Jesus was extra, you can be extra. He can handle your over emotional self because he requires you to be real with him. And I think so many times we want to have it like all put together and pray like these perfect prayers, like Jesus, thank you that you're perfect. And like, I am perfect. And he's like, no, no, no. Like come to me as a hot mess and I will handle you and your brokenness. And Jesus did not fear away from her over the top emotions. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eye of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more was extra. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said, take away the stone. But Lord said, Martha, this is my favorite part of the whole story. This is what Martha says to Jesus, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor for he has been in there for four days. We are sometimes so afraid of the dark, desperate areas of our life or just the stuff that stinks that we don't want Jesus to see that part. We're okay with him seeing the highlight reel of our life, but we don't want him to enter into the smelly four-day tomb. 
Martha is literally almost preventing resurrection from happening because she wants to keep things looking a certain way. And what I want to say to you is, is God does not care if you are four days dead and stinky. He wants you to enter into resurrection, but you have to decide if he is going to be entered into those places. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said to her, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. And now this is not just any old loud voice. The true definition of loud voice here is the same sound of a roaring ocean. That means that when Jesus is speaking to your circumstance or your situation, he's not just saying, hey, let's handle this. Let's go through this together. Jesus is so pissed off at death because he is resurrection that he says like a thunderous ocean, the loudest noise that you could possibly imagine. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And all of the power of heaven comes down in that moment. And the resurrected one is breathing out resurrection over his friend. And I don't believe that he was weeping out of sadness. I think he was weeping because he knew that she was about to see the miraculous happen. And Jesus is saying in your life, come forth. I am the resurrection. Your self-help books will not work for you because they are not resurrection life. Jesus did not die and raise from the dead so that you could be half free. I believe that lie for years. I believe for years that I could have a little bit of freedom and a little bit of problems. And that was the good Christian life. But there is no scripture that confirms that. I believe that many of you are following Jesus that's on the cross. You're all good that he saved you of your sins. You're forgiven. Grace and mercy. So good that he forgave you. But you're kind of struggling with resurrected Jesus. He is no longer on a cross, church. Three days later, it says that he rose again and the resurrected Jesus requires a response from you. He came to set the captives free. And so if it says that you are free, then that is more true than if you feel free or not. Jesus came for you to walk in life more abundantly. And the enemy is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have that abundant life. But keep this thing to the side. Jesus can't handle that thing. Your pastor can't handle that thing. I want to read a verse over you guys. And I honestly feel like this is a word for many of you. I feel like that a lot of you are believing this lie that God can't love certain parts of you. And I love in Romans 8, 31, it says, so now I live with the confidence 
that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in your present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. That means that if you screwed up at breakfast this morning, gossiping about Joanne, or last night, sleeping with that guy that we all know is no good, and you're coming in here and you're like, I feel like a fake. I'm like a total fraud. If you only knew how messed up my life was, There is no freedom for me. Like all the stuff they're talking about, good for them. But there is no freedom for me. This verse right here combats that because it says that nothing can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. You know, the other day, we have people come through our house all the time. And I was, um, our like rocker chair is downstairs. And I was feeding my six-month-old baby. And I was like sitting cross-legged, like on the floor like this. And I'm sitting there nursing the baby in like the total dark at like four in the morning, the joy of motherhood. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like on my phone, like trying to stay awake. And I get up to put my baby back in the crib. And something had happened where as I was sitting there, I guess my leg fell asleep. So I stepped up with this leg and I'm like, this leg's fine. (laughs) I step up with this leg and then I go to take another step. And this happened two weeks ago. As I'm putting the baby in the crib, my foot is completely dead like completely dead. And it starts to roll. So I like throw the baby into the crib, (laughs) which there's like a thousand angels in that kid's room because I'm just a terrible parent. And so I throw the baby into the crib and my ankle rolls and I just like fall to the ground and I'm laying on the ground and I am in so much pain. Has anyone ever rolled their ankle before? Okay, I am such a baby. I actually can't believe I even had two kids, but I'm such a baby. And I'm laying there with my ankle up and I'm just trying to get my husband in the other room. And I'm going, Parker, Parker, please come in here, Parker. And he obviously can't hear me over the sound machine. So I'm just laying there and I think that I'm going to die. And I can't make any noise. And I'm thinking like, I've laid down my life and picked up my cross. And this is the end of my life here. And I am afraid to move my leg from down here because I'm like, it's going to fall off if I put my leg down. And so I like reach around and find my phone in the pitch black, trying to not wake up the baby. And uh, I call my husband. I keep calling and I'm like, God, if you love me, he will pick up the phone right now. (laughs) Please pick up the phone. And finally, he picks up the phone and he comes into the room. And he looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I'm like, Parker, I think I broke my leg. And he's like, you did not break your leg. (laughs) You are so overdramatic. And I'm like, no, it's broken and you have no compassion. You need to feel bad for me. And I'm laying there on the floor just crying. And then it hit me. 
that I believe that sometimes there are areas of our lives that have gone dead or fallen asleep. And the problem is, is that if the blood does not flow through, it will actually cause more pain in your life. And you know, it says that by his blood, we are made whole, that we are healed by the blood of Jesus. But if you choose to not let the blood of Jesus into those areas of your life, it will actually cause you more pain and destruction. You have to let God into those areas so that you can walk free into freedom. I love that every single person today has said that we are set free to set others free, but you can't be half free to set others free. You can't be in a prison and let prisoners free. And this morning when Rebecca was telling people to come up to the front, I actually in the prophetic saw people so bound up And you know, in that story about Lazarus, guess what it says? It says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet that were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So he was dead man walking, but he was still shackled. He had been resurrected. He had had his encounter with Jesus, but he was still bound up. But do you know what Jesus said to them? He said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus is saying to you, take off the grave clothes. They weren't meant for you anyway. Grave clothes are ugly. You were meant to be fully alive. You know, I... I feel like I had like a hot mess of a life growing up. I, my mom was a single mom and we were just so broke growing up. And my mom worked three jobs and she was like an amazing, amazing, amazing mom. And I have like so much respect for single moms. And she would like ride her bike in the snow. We lived in New York and uh, like bring me to work and all this stuff. But there were some nights where she had to like bring me to like a babysitter And um, when I was about nine years old, the church children's pastor, who was like my babysitter, ended up sexually assaulting me. And uh, this is like the worst thing that could happen for a mom. And she actually found out because I wrote about it in my diary. And I just like can't even imagine as a mom, like reading something like that, because I know how much I like want to protect my boys. And so that happened when I was nine. And uh, Honestly, like God really protected me because like, I don't really remember like a lot of it and I've gotten counseling and stuff like that, but I don't feel like any kind of bitterness there. But then when I was in high school, I went to Disney World with some friends for my friend's Sweet 16. And uh, we ended up like getting caught up with like this like party crew of people. And uh, we were at the hotel and I ended up being raped at Disney World which is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. And that was definitely not what was happening. So I like went into my college years just feeling like God just doesn't care about me. (laughs) Like these things are happening to me. I was like terminally ill in high school. I had a rare disease called Henoch-Shulein purpura. Google it because you know you've never heard of that. I am the only teenager in America that's ever had Henoch-Shulein purpura which is an immunity disease, which means that my body was 
basically like telling myself that I was not healthy and trying to like destroy myself. And so I got healed from that miraculously. Like they don't know how you get cured from it. And miraculously, I was healed from that. But I went into college just thinking like, I'm not really into the whole Jesus thing. So I'm just going to do whatever I want because Jesus like doesn't care about me. Because if you looked at my life, there's no example of his anything there. So I went to college and just lived like a total party life and had like a really bad relationship. Moved to New York City, was working in nightclubs. I was the doorman for the top club in New York City for five years. Um, Was around celebrities all the time thinking I'm like living the dream and uh, was in this really unhealthy relationship, just like a lot of control and manipulation. And uh, ended up getting pregnant. And I just remember thinking like, I can't do this. Like my whole life is a mess. Like I'm doing cocaine at night. I'm drinking every single day. Like there's no way I can bring a child like into this world. I like don't talk to my parents anymore. Like it's just a mess. And so we decided to terminate the baby. And I had like, my mom was a single mom. So I grew up like, you do not do that. Like if you ever get pregnant, you better raise that child because I did that. But I saw the terrible, like hard life that my mom had. And so I was like, I don't want to live like that. And then I ended up getting radically saved. And I shared about that in the student uh, session. But literally like, I just cried out to God in total brokenness, just weeping. And God met me and like his peace just like totally overflowed. And then I screwed up again. And uh, I ended up sleeping with my ex-boyfriend and getting pregnant again. And I was signed up to go on a year-long mission trip. And I had sold all my stuff to go on this mission trip. And I was going to like help the orphans and save the nations and change the world. Meanwhile, I was pregnant with a guy that I despised child. And so I ended up having another abortion. And this was the worst thing in the world for me because I had been saved. And so I didn't understand how could I be walking in this new freedom with God and about to go on a mission trip as like a total hypocrite. And I remember just making an agreement. I didn't know it was with the enemy, but just saying like, you know, I'm just never going to tell anyone this. This is like my little secret. And it's just good. And like, I'll tell other people about like the horrible things that have happened to me. And that will be like my testimony that sets people free. Like, yeah, like child, like assault, gotcha. Depression, gotcha. Anxiety, gotcha. Drug abuse, gotcha. Abortion, we're not going to go there. And I just believe this lie forever and was totally okay with it just staying secret. And, uh, um... I ended up getting into ministry after my mission trip and was working at a church in New York City, actually the same church that Nicole works at now. And we were doing a conference on freedom. 
And uh, the pastor was like, I want you to speak on freedom. Like you've been through so many things. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. I will like set the captives free. And uh, I remember preparing the message and it was at that conference. I was like about to go on the stage and I was going to talk about like living a free life and God being in every dark area. And as I got on the stage, the Holy Spirit just convicted me and was like, you're living a lie. Like you still have this and like, you're not willing to bring it to me. Like you won't even talk to me about it. And so I remember just going up there and I don't know what happened, but I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit in his like kindness can just start to like push us with that little bit of boldness that we need. And he said to me, I want you to speak the truth. And I was like, oh gosh, God, if I tell people this, like I'm going to be fired from my job. We're, my husband and I were campus pastors. And I was like, I'm going to be fired from my job. And honestly, like everything is going to be destroyed. And like all the things that I want to do with my life are just over. And I honestly, I remember just like being in the back of the room and just being like, you know what though? More than like ministry, more than like preaching, more than like anything. What I like really want is like, I just want to be free. Like I'm so tired of just like pretending that everything's okay and having it all together. And like... I believe that sometimes when Jesus says that we need to lay down our lives, we don't realize that by in the laying down of our lives, that we're actually being given life. And so, so many of us think like, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to lose everything if people knew who I really was. But Jesus will meet you right down here where you are. And he will say, take off your grave clothes and walk into life. And so I want to do something tonight and we're not going to have a worship band up and it's not going to be a beautiful moment because you know what? Real life is not always picture perfect. And there's not always a background worship team to be there with you when you're having a raw moment with God. But what I believe is that today is the day of salvation And do you know that scripture says that salvation is not just for when you die, but that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And that means that you can live a brand new life now. And that means that you don't have to live in shame any longer, but I believe that you need to do the work to step into the kingdom. That you need to believe that Jesus died and rose again to set you 100% free. That whatever fear you have, that if people found you out, you just lay it down at the cross and you let Jesus handle it. And so I'm gonna ask you today to do something prophetically. And what I saw was this. I saw that as you walked forward to the front, it wasn't this beautiful moment No one is singing in your ear like, you're no longer a slave. You're not going to hear the beautiful song, but you're going to hear from your Savior. And with every step that you take forward, there is a line in the sand. 
And you know what Nicole said about being a giant killer? This is how you defeat giants. This is how you rise up and strike the enemy like you were always meant to. And as you're stepping forward, a little bit is broken off. And do you know what shame tells you? Shame says, sit there in your seat. Do not move. Do not move. You better stay there because if anyone knows, you're not going to be on a leadership team. You're going to lose your leadership position or your husband's going to disown you or your kids are not going to respect you. I believe that there's moms in this room that are afraid to walk into freedom because if their kids knew the truth of their life, they would not follow Jesus. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus wants you as parents to be completely free so that your children would see what radical freedom looks like. And so I'm going to pray. And you know what? This is between you and God. But I am going to urge you to defeat the enemy right now. And I'm going to urge you that if there is something that you need freedom from, that you would walk up to the front. And I believe there is a line in the sand. And as you cross that threshold, I know for me, as soon as I stepped out and I said, you know, I don't care if I am exposed. I don't care what happens to me because I just need freedom. I can't live this lie any longer. If you've had a million abortions or one, if you've been sexually assaulted or abused, if you've made a hundred mistakes or you just lied this morning, you are to be completely and utterly set free. If you have mental illness, you do not need to feel shame for that. Depression, anxiety needs to go in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to set you free and he is alive and his resurrection power is living inside of you and is saying, let the grave clothes come off. Lazarus, come forth. And so I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to pray and I want you to boldly step forward to break off those shackles one step at a time. Jesus, I thank you right now that you are giving boldness and courage to your women. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to the dark hidden places right now. God, I thank you, Jesus, that as we just step towards you, that we would come forth and break off the lie of shame. Gosh, I know that sometimes maybe it's even just like standing up and just having the courage to just know that we could be free. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want these women to live a full life. God, I thank you right now that you are our healer. I thank you, God, that you don't heal, but you are the healer, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as women step forward, literally, I just hear shackles just coming off. Let the chains be broken. I ask that you start to show them visions and revelations of the things that they're supposed to do that will radically change the world and that this crazy secret hidden thing is going to be the thing that sets people free. God, I thank you right now for women in the room that have had abortions, that believe that this secret is too far gone. And Jesus, I thank you that in that moment, you were there with them. It says that you wept when Mary wept. 
And so right now I ask that you just bring healing to those places right now. Holy Spirit, you're so good, Father. God, I ask that if there's any women that have committed adultery and have cheated on their spouses, that they would have the courage to stand up and come forward. God, I thank you that you give us so many examples in your word of you kneeling down and meeting us face to face in our brokenness. There is nothing in the universe that can separate us from the love of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just release your love and your healing and your acceptance over every single woman in this room, that they would just start to see light in those hidden places. I love that Ephesians says that when the light enters, it changes everything and we become children of light. I thank you that you take those dark things and you turn them into light. And so right now I start to just release them of the bondage of the lies that they've believed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves and we no longer have to believe the lie that we will keep the secret forever. But it is broken off in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, release. Release your power of healing over every single heart in this room right now. Lord God, I thank you that you are the God of acceptance and love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If there are women that have sexually transmitted diseases in this room, I say rise up and break off the shackles in Jesus' name. There is a healing anointing in this room. And if you've been diagnosed with a sexual disease, I just say that there is no shame any longer, but it is broken off in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you are a deliverer in times of need. And that we just need to come to you with our hands and our hearts just open wide. That this is what we can do on a daily basis. And so we just thank you right now for your peace and your healing and your acceptance and your deliverance. And I just pray a hedge of protection over every single woman in this room that any plans meant to harm them or destroy them would be cast down to the pit of hell in Jesus' name. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would reign glorious over their lives and over their circumstances and anything that the enemy meant for evil would not destroy you, but you would become a mighty deliverer. And so we receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you need to take a moment and still pray and process things, by all means do that. And I know there's a prayer room in the back, but like, write this down. Remember, you have been set free. (laughs) 
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app, Salt Churches, found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.